Good morning, church. We are the church, and we are not just the church. We are the church people that are going to live radically different for a different purpose and to be part of the solution. We are the church. In the past couple weeks, we've been going through this series. We've been looking at this, that if the glory is going to come down, because we are all made for glory, if the glory is going to come down, it comes down in a unique way when God's people gather in his name, when they gather and they are fired up about what he's fired up about. When you love what God loves, he loves to show up in power. Do you believe that? And we mentioned last week that God is omnipresent, all present. He's present everywhere, but we talked about this manifest presence. That's different. That God shows up in a unique way, in a powerful way, in ways that he is not present everywhere. He is uniquely and powerfully present when his people gather and they're fired up about unapologetic preaching. When we just open the word and we say what God said, he loves it. He loves it. God loves it when his people say, I will listen, I will submit, I will follow, I will obey, I need more of the word. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Unapologetic preaching, the authority of God's word. How about this unashamed adoration? We talked about last week that when we lift high the name of Jesus in worship, that the glory comes down as praise is going up. When his son is adored, he loves to come in power. His glory comes down in his church. We're pretty fired up about unashamed adoration, but today we're going to be looking at one of our values, our vertical values, and it's this, that we are so fired up about unceasing prayer. We are called from 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. Don't stop, don't stop. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't stop. Don't stop. Always, 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 always in prayer because we believe firmly in the power of prayer. And so today, if you have uh, your bulletin, would you go ahead and pull that out? If you don't have one, shoot up your hand. It's not too late. Is it too late? Is it too late? Are we out? We are not. Are we charging? We are not. All right, last ones, last ones. And as we, as we think about us being a church of unceasing prayer, it's because we are the church. And if we are the church, we are, and I was going to title this, we are prayers, ones that pray. Somebody say that's kind of lame. I, I know. All right. So maybe a little more catchy is that we are prayer warriors. We are prayer warriors. And if you would open your copy of God's word to Jeremiah 33, and we're going to be looking at one, two, and three. Jeremiah 33. It's on page 662 in my Bible. Somebody say, who cares? Yeah, I know. I know you don't care. I really care that you got your copy of God's Word open. If you don't have a Bible, if you don't have a readable translation, go ahead and grab the one that's in the pew in front of you. Take that home. It's practically your birthday. You're welcome. You're welcome. You can take that free gift, but we want to be able to see God's Word with clarity. We believe that God has spoken and it's clear. And one thing that he's clear about is he is calling his church to be prayer warriors, that we are unceasing prayer warriors. And so we're going to be looking at three words today. It doesn't matter how long you've been in church. Maybe this is your first week, first couple weeks. Welcome. But the reality is you can sit your butt right in that pew week after week and nothing changes unless we do it unless we do it. So we got some words of doing to focus on today. Jeremiah, Old Testament prophet. This guy had spent decades and decades and decades proclaiming God's message. And just like maybe in our day, the louder he got, the clearer with his call he got, the harder and the more hard of hearing the people got. Stiff-necked, disobedient. 
but he proclaimed it anyway, and he knew this. He knew something about prayer. And here we have God's voice through Jeremiah focusing us on one of the main things. If we're going to be the church and we're fired up about prayer, then today's the day to be able to rekindle, fan into flame, a passion for prayer. Maybe you have never started praying. Maybe today could be the day that you say, today, things change. I have not been a praying man, a praying woman, but today I'm going to start. It's never too late. This could be the first day of a powerful prayer life. And you could remember, I remember the day when it all started. For some of us, it has been a really long time since we have spent more than just 30 seconds tossing up some prayers at God. And for even fewer of us, it has been so long since we have persisted in prayer and we've watched breakthrough because we did not give up. That we faithfully prayed and expected God to move. Here we have Jeremiah, 50 years of proclaiming in captivity and God's people where they should be broken, where they should be turning back to God. Instead, they are deaf, they are hard. And Jeremiah says, this isn't my message, God is speaking. And what is the Lord saying? Jeremiah 33, starting in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. This is God's voice, God's words to Jeremiah a second time. In your, in your spare time throughout the week, you can read the first time if you read chapters 1 through 32, okay? There's your homework, all right? But here's the second time. While he was still shut up in the court of the guard, thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. And here's what may be familiar to some of us. Call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. And maybe you memorized it or maybe you've heard it in different translations. But thus says the, the who, who's speaking here? The Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. We're talking Yahweh, the Lord. This is his intimate, personal name. This is so awesome. When God reveals himself 6,823 times, I hope that we kind of pay attention to say, what is up with the name? What's up with the name? If the name keeps coming up, there's something about a name that clarifies God's name. His name, not from a distance from afar, but his name of relationship, of friendship. And do you, do you know that sometimes titles have a way of bringing distance? Do you believe that? Uh, if I walked in this morning, I said, Good morning, church. From now on, I only answer to Reverend John. Reverend, if you speaketh any other name, I will not answer thee. Reverend, you'd say, wow, that guy's lame, right? Not, I hope we get lunch soon. I hope we become friends. You would say, okay then. When God approaches us and says, I am Yahweh, what he's saying is come close come near we need to talk you need to know my heart we need to walk together this isn't a know about him this is to know him and Yahweh is so powerful as we actually take him at his word because he's saying this thus says Yahweh he is Yahweh thus says the Lord what has he done? He is the maker of heaven and earth. He's the one that formed it, established it. He is the creator. What would be our natural inclination to a creator God that speaks words and 
universes come into existence? What would be our default assumption about a powerful deity? Most likely, as is the attitude with many, that he is far off, that he is only transcendent, that he is so far beyond, that he's out there somewhere. And I love the fact that we can gather in church and acknowledge he's not out there, he's right here. And he's not silent, he's speaking. Do you believe it? That our God speaks, that he expects us to listen. He expects us to hear his heart. And here we have a little piece of it. That there is urgency for prayer because of the one who is making this offer. Unlike, so I'm going to say unlike, unlike me making an offer to you, such as I might have flunked science more than once. And so I am going to make an offer to meet with your children, your kids or grandkids to help them, to tutor them with their science project. Does that, does that offer make any sense? Somebody say, no, it does not. Uh, no, there, there can be a lot of offers made, a lot of offers that are very unhelpful, that do nothing, that possibly make things worse. God's in the business of making offers and keeping his promises, making offers that he keeps and that are essential for us. And here we have this. He says, call unto me or call to me. Call, call. Uh, not, not your brother, not your boss, not, not your mom, right? Not your neighbor, not even your pastor, not even your pastor, not even your pastor. Don't call pastor first. We call on God. I don't know if that's been your default, but today you could say, I have gone everywhere else. I have called out. I have dialed up. I have sent texts. I have set up meetings. I have reached out first and fastest to those that are not part of the problem or the solution, but we keep on doing the same thing. We go everywhere except to God. Why do we do that when we have an offer of call to me, God says, call to me. Even if you know really important people, really financially well-off people, even if you know brilliant people in your life, when the God of the universe says, why don't you dial me first? What is wrong with us that we say, no, maybe later, if I really need you, if all of my resources run out, if I don't get answers elsewhere, if I can't solve the problem myself, maybe we are the church, and the glory comes down when we take God at his word. When he says call, and we say, yes, yes, I will. I will call first. How often do we run to our spouse with kid problems when we should run to God? How often do we run to coworkers with a work problem when we should run to God? How often do we run to friends with a relationship problem when we should run to who? To God, to the Lord, to Yahweh himself, but we don't. I, I did a little bit of research, as I've been known to do, we talk a lot. We talk a lot to a lot of people. Some of us, we only talk to certain people, but we have a whole lot to say to them. How many words are spoken in a single day by the average human being? 34,000 words a day. Question, is there a chapter in that half a book 
You're writing a half a book every day. Is there even just one chapter written to God? A paragraph. Could we just get really honest? There are days that there's not a single sentence in that half a book a day that references or is targeted towards God. It doesn't go vertical ever. Every two days, you got a book written and it's godless. And I wish I could say, I'm not like that. But we're in this together. It's a universal problem of speaking much, but we go to all the wrong people, all the wrong places, and when we have access to God, why? This kind of call is not just a, a little ringy ding ding. This isn't a quick text with a few emojis. We're talking about literally cry out, shout out to God. How often do we do that? Cry out, cry out. God has a preference. He has a way that he prefers us to talk to him. And it's not a whimper and it's not a whisper. And it's not a, as I'm driving, we're doing a little driving chat. It's not a quick little over the shoulder, uh, good luck kind of God help me. It's not a rub the lamp of the genie kind of request occasionally. He's talking about from the depths of our heart, a place where we are absolutely crying out. Have you been there? I don't know if you're there, maybe this morning. You would say, that's what my past week has been like. That's what the past months have been like. There has been a elevated volume as the intensity increases, as the problems arise. Maybe you're already there. I'm going to God. And I know that God hears me because he tells me to cry, to call, to shout to him. But is he listening? Does he hear my heart cry. Well, here's a help. James 5.16, if you want to jot down that address. James 5.16, the fervent prayer of a righteous man results in so much. It, it results in power. And when we're talking about fervent, we're talking about, if you are taking notes, if you already wrote this down, urgent, urgent, urgent. We're not talking about just some kind of talk. We're not just kind of thinking about prayer generically. We're talking about an urgent prayer in greatest time of need. And if I am urgent in my prayers, if I'm fervent, there's something that happens in the heart of a man, of a woman, of a child who says, God, I'm going to you only. I'm going to you and I'm not leaving until you answer, until you show up. <sighs> something happens in the heart of God when his children rise up in faith and allow their hearts and voices to explode with desperate dependence. As in, God, if you don't show up, I'm done. There is no plan B. God, you are my plan A. You are my everything. I'm banking on you. All the eggs are in your basket. There's something powerful that happens when God's people come in desperation crying out and say, God, you alone, I'm going to seek. You alone, I'm going to cry out to. Nobody else knows. But there is a certain intensity about it. There's an urgency. Not, somebody say not. Not half-hearted, half-believing requests. We're talking urgent, passionate, desperate, all, all out there, desperate cry to Abba Father to come to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. 
God, I can't, you can. God, I can't, you can. God, I cannot, I cannot. I cannot take another step. I don't have an answer for this. I can't get this figured out. I don't know where it's going, but it's going nowhere good apart from you. Isaiah 40, verse 9. If we fast forward in Isaiah a little bit, we would see this. Lift up your voice with strength. What is that all about? He's saying, get loud. Get low and get loud. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Psalm 116, 1. I love the Lord because He heard my cry. And do you know that it's not wrong when people go, why do you love God? Why do you love God? Because He hears my cry. Because He listens to the desperation of my heart. Because even though nobody else knows what's going on, nobody else knows about the hurts, He does. And He's there. I love Him because He listens to me. Romans 8.15 You have received the Spirit by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, we cry it out. Daddy, Papa, there's nowhere else to turn. I am your child. Take care of me. You alone have promised. Everyone else will fail. Psalm 50, verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble. <laughs> call upon me in the day of trouble. When is your day of trouble? Uh, every single morning that you wake up, trouble, 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 trouble. Call to him in your day of trouble. And what's going to happen? Here's the guarantee. Are you ready for promises? I will answer you. Will, will. Turn your neighbor and say, he will. He will, he will. He has, he is answering. He will answer. Urgent, fervent. God invites us to cry out to him. And I wonder for, for maybe a few of us. Hey, Pastor John, that's awesome for you. Because like you're a, like a like a professional Christian, you know what I mean? The, the pastor deal, right? It's like 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 you're a, you're a pro at this. But for me, it's different. And I wonder if any of us have ever had these thoughts of, but if I lay it all out before the Lord, if I fully commit to trusting in Him alone, what what if I'm disappointed? And I would just say, if you're going through crisis, which most of us are not just on a occasional, but on the regular, we're already disappointed. We're already disappointed. So do not hold back. Do not hold back. I don't know what you're holding back from. I don't know what it's like between you and God. I don't know what kind of conversations you have where you're like, I mean, maybe, kinda, if you could, if you're not too busy, God. I wonder if the situation that has happened to you over the past years has left you jaded where you don't just doubt people. That goes vertical and your, your doubt has gone to God. You don't just question people's ability to follow through. You are a disappointed Christian. And I wonder if today God would bring healing to that. And maybe there's areas that you're saying, he didn't come through. He didn't come through. He failed me. I can't trust him. I asked and asked and asked and it didn't happen. The bad thing happened anyway. The good never came. And maybe today God is saying, the best is yet to come. Do you believe it? It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. 
And it's not your thing, it's his thing. And it's not your way, it's his way. And it's not your timing, it's his. And do you know what God has a bad habit of doing? Always perfectly executing at the perfect time in the perfect way. He's just always doing that. He just always, 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 always does it. He's got this habit of not doing what you want, but doing what is best, what is awesome, what is glorious, what actually satisfies, what's actually going to fulfill, what is actually going to bring joy in place of your wannabe, falling short happiness that you're so convinced is going to be your future if God would just answer. But what if God loves you too much to answer the prayer that's never going to satisfy your soul? What if God loves you way too much to answer that thing? And maybe today you would say, cry out. Cry out volume, getting low, posture, crying out to God has not been tried and found lacking. Prayer has been found difficult. Somebody say it's difficult and not tried. Start calling out and stop stopping. Start crying out from the heart because we are the church. We are the church. Somebody say we are the church. We are the church. And you know what the church does? The church doesn't just start praying. The church never stops praying. And we learned from Revelation in our series, if you want to hop on our podcast and you want to cover some past territory, we walk through the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, and what we found out is the, the churches that stopped praying ceased to exist. The only churches that make it, the only churches moving forward, if we are the church, it's because of this unceasing prayer. Urgent, 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 urgent in private, urgent personally, urgent collectively as a church urgency and how about this number two if you're taking notes how about this expectant we don't just move with volume we don't just cry out with all that we are and say abba father papa all you completely trusting in you dependent on you we don't just do that with volume and urgency we expect why do we expect why do we as christians have expectations because we have God's promises. Do you see it in verse 3? What's going to happen if we go to God and we call on Him? Here's the guarantee. Call to me. What's next? What's next? I will, 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 not maybe, not maybe, will answer you. I will. Call to me and I will answer. I will answer. Expectant. If I'm praying according to God's will and I'm praying and I'm willing that God's answers may be yes, no, or wait. And many times they're a wait. But in God's heart, it's already a yes. Don't you love it? Don't you love it when a parent, a grandparent is asked, can we? Can we? Can I get that for Christmas? Can we go on that trip? Can we? Can we? And many of us know the feeling of the answer is already yes. The answer is already yes. But out of our mouth is just wait. Just wait. What? Does that mean no? Does that mean no? You're saying no. Wait. Just, just wait. Just wait. But I don't want... Just wait. Because in the heart, the answer is already 
Yes, the timing is better later than now. But how awesome is it that we can have God's heart, the Father heart of God, that we can hear in our quiet time before Him, hearing Him whisper, yes, but not right now. Yes, but you're going to have to wait. I don't know what his yes is, but I know if you're praying according to his will, if your heart is for what his heart is for, if you are for his kingdom, you are for his glory, the answer is often yes in his heart. Wait out of his mouth. But whatever you ask in faith, believe that you've already received it. Matthew 21, 22. Whatever you ask in faith, somebody say in faith. In faith, I'm believing. And God says, yes. But wait, because we are the church. Do you know what we do? We are an expectant and waiting people. We are the weirdest people on the face of the planet. So y'all are like super optimistic that even though everything's going to hell around you, you got this like uh, outlook that's uh, kind of weird. You are filled with hope. Yes. So where is it? Where is this God of yours answering, where is he coming to the rescue? And in our hearts, we know, just wait. <laughs> He's coming. I'm waiting. He's about to answer. So church, what's going on? If God is real and he's alive and he's powerful, then what's up with y'all? Because it doesn't look like he's doing everything that you're praying for. It doesn't look like he's coming through. If he's your God and you all are his people, then there seems to be a little bit of confusion about this God. So is he not good? He's good. But he's not on my timetable. He's good, but he's the boss and I'm not. <laughs> he's good and he's the promise maker and he's the promise fulfiller. And we are the happiest people on the face of the planet when we have much or little, because as we wait, we are expectant. Somebody say, I'm expecting. I'm expecting. I'm expecting. I'm expecting. It's coming soon. It's coming soon. If, if we are praying according to God's will, if we are asking in faith, if we are believing that God's ways are best and God's timing is perfect. How about this? Number three. Somebody say three. three. Oh, I'm smelling a conclusion. It's coming to a church near you. All right, here we go. Illumination. But you know what God's doing here? He's illuminating. He's shining light because he says, call to me and I will answer you. He doesn't stop there. You know what he says? I will, depending on what translation you're reading, I will show you or I will tell you, I will reveal to you great or great and mighty or unknown or unseen things. God has things in store that you can't even imagine if he told you and it's coming. He will show it. He will tell it. He will bring it. And do you know that this is its so powerful because it's coming from Jeremiah. It's coming from Jeremiah. Do you know what Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, do you know what his nickname is? He's the weeping prophet. Decade after decade, praying with urgency, expecting with great faith. 
And God said, I'm going to show you. It's going to be illuminated. The light is going to shine when I come and I answer. And 50 years later, if you were to assess Jeremiah's ministry, you would probably have the same conclusion that if we're real honest, we might conclude the same thing about Jesus' ministry. Where's the fruit? Where's the results? After all of that work and all of that faith, he's called the weeping prophet because there is no response. There is obedience on his part and there is no obedience to be found anywhere around him. He did what God called him to do. And it looked on the outside, it looked like he was doing something wrong. It looked like his methods were broken. It looked like maybe he was a little faithless. It looked like on the surface that maybe he got the wrong message. Maybe, maybe he got confused about what he was supposed to say. Or better yet, maybe he didn't say it with enough pizzazz. Right? Maybe he didn't turn up his personality. Maybe, maybe he didn't say it loud enough, clear enough, compelling enough. If only Jeremiah would have done it a little different. Wait. He did exactly what God called him to do. And he left the results with God. And I don't, I don't know what in your private life you're going, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? God's thing doesn't work. If I hear this phrase one more time, I might scream when I ask people, are you praying through that? And the response is, I tried that and it helped me out and it doesn't work. I tried to pray. It doesn't work. I tried God. He doesn't work. I tried church. It's broken. It doesn't work. And what if we just have a moment of clarity right here in God's house? The problem is me and you. It's not him. The problem is that we don't work. We don't do the work of dependent, urgent, expectant prayer as we wait patiently on our God. We don't do that well. The problem is with us. And when we can get really honest, that maybe sometimes when we're doing the work and we're doing what God's calling us to do, that maybe our ministry might not look like others. Maybe our ministry as a parent, maybe our ministry serving in our neighborhood, to our workplace, maybe the relationships that we are trying so hard to be helpful may be part of the calling of some of our lives is you're not going to see it yet. You're going to labor and you're going to serve by faith and you're going to get on your face with urgency and expectancy and the day is going to come and God's going to bring breakthrough. I don't know where you're at. But is this, is this easy for anybody in God's house? <sighs> anybody else a fellow struggler? He's going to show up. And when he does, he's going to show us great and mighty things. Great and mighty things beyond our comprehension. Things that we never expected if we don't give up. So if you are a quitter this morning, God's saying, enough. Get back up. Keep moving forward. I don't know if you've been straying. I don't know if you've been wandering, but God's saying, get back. Get back at it. Come back home. And then someday, then someday, 
he's going to show up. But what, what gets in the way of prayer? Can we get real specific? I hope, I hope, I hope in your bulletin, do you have something? Do you have something? We might have some extras. If it fell out on your way, shame on you. What? You are a sloppy bulletin carrier. I don't know what's going on, but your technique ain't working. You got to work on it, okay? Your problem, not mine. But for the, for those that have it, for those that have it, for you to be able to take this home, do you want it? Oh, we got more. We got more. This is, this has been so powerful in my life thinking about what's going on in my own heart that is keeping me from starting or staying with it. What is going on in my own heart that is hindering me from urgent, expectant prayer that waits with faith? Well, we got some, we got some quadrants, okay? We got some quadrants as we think about illumination. One thing that God wants to do sometimes is illumine our hearts. He wants to shine a spotlight of, I'm listening, but, but you're not coming to me. What prevents us? What keeps us from praying? Well, here's four things that hopefully can be a help to you as you go throughout this week. Four enemies of prayer. Let's assess the root of our prayerlessness. Anger and foolishness. Anger and foolishness would be on the top pride. Pride keeps us from praying. Do you believe it? I got this. I can do this. And what happens is my anger is in the way. My foolishness. And God's saying, do you know what re-fires up that furnace of prayer? Humility and wisdom. Humility and wisdom. Down with pride, up with humility and wisdom. What's getting in the way? Maybe for you, you would say, I am an angry person. Can we have a moment of honesty? This is what I know about you if you really, really struggle with anger is that you don't pray. I know this. I don't know if that's prophetic or pathetic, but one or the other, in Jesus' name, maybe the issue is really clear that you cannot be angry and prayerful at the same time. One's got to go. Or my foolishness, I will do it my way. I will ask for forgiveness later. Fool. Prayerless. Fool. How about not just pride gets in the way, but doubt. Do you see those bottom two? Despair and fear. Despair and fear. Are you filled with doubt that your enemy of prayer is that you're so filled with uncertainty and doubt and anxiety that your life is marked by despair and discouragement, depression, suicidal thoughts. You're filled with fear and worry, anxiety and panic. And God's saying the way back to that white hot relationship of talking with God, crying out expectant and urgent prayer is God wants to fill you with hope and trust. Throughout the week, you can look at those and go, where am I at? What describes me? What's getting in the way of me going to God first? Going to God frequently. Going to God for long periods of time. Getting low before the Lord, expecting Him to answer. Is it anger? Is it foolishness? Is it despair? Or is it fear? The burdens we carry burden the heart of God. Do you believe that? And the refusal to cry out grieves the heart of God. That is also true. God's heart is burdened. He knows what you carry. But He's also burdened and grieving that you won't come to Him with it. 
that you won't leave it with him, that you won't allow him to speak into it to change your heart. And I hope more and more as we think about being the church, that we are the church, that we are the church. Somebody say, we are the church. And if we are the church, we understand fully that God is more interested in changing the prayer than answering the prayer. He's in the business of doing a work in us before he ever answers our requests. We are the project. We're looking for solutions for an easier life and a more comfortable and more ease and to fulfill our desires. And God is offering us himself. And sometimes we would rather have the thing than to have God himself. And if you're okay with that, God's not okay with you. He's asking you to come back to this place of getting things out of the way so that you can cry out hidden things, unsearchable things, mighty things. What do I not know that I could know if I was faithful in prayer? What would God be revealing to me if I would take him at his word and cry out to him? You don't even learn things in your experiences or even just through time. There are certain things that you learn by spending quality and quantity time in prayer that is only found there. It's only learned there. It's only discovered there with God. If we're going to experience revival, if we are the church, we are called to experience His presence and His power. And we need a revival if that's going to happen. Whatever's in the way has got to go. And if we're going to experience that, we will only be as influential as we are prayerful. We'll only be as holy and happy as we are on our knees. We will only experience revival as much as we are seeking to remove whatever hinders us from this one task, this main task of unceasing prayer. And as you take this home, I want us just to slow down for these final moments. And I just want you to ask, is that me? Is that me? Am I like that? How about this? Anger. What does anger sound like? Well, here's some self-talk. I want to control and I cannot afford to lose respect. What do we really think about God? God's not fair. So what's my prayerless response? Pride. I won't trust. I won't pray. I won't. I will do anything except that. But what if today, those of us who are angry would say, I repent, I turn. And what does repentance say? I choose humility. I choose humility. How about foolishness? Self-talk, I want self-gratification. I want to feel good. I want to be comfortable. I must be the center of attention. And instead of talking to God and seeing Him as He really is, in our hearts, we would say, God, you're not enough. You're not enough. I need more. I need something different. I need something more. I tried that. It didn't work. So what's our prayerless response in pride as a fool? I want that more than trusting. I want that. What is it for you? I want that thing. I want that person. I want that to be true of my story instead of praying, instead of trusting, instead of waiting. And here's, here's my repentance. Today I can say, I choose wisdom. I choose. Somebody say, I choose. I choose. I choose. I, I choose wisdom. And for those of us who are struggling with doubt, maybe these last two might ring true. Despair. What do I tell myself? I, I want comfort and I need affirmation. My life is not the way it is was supposed to be according to my definition and therefore my attitude towards God is God is not good. God, you're not good. 
Has it ever rose up in your heart? Has it ever come out of your mouth? God, if you were really good, then, 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 what is it for you that if God was really good, He has to prove Himself? It results in a prayerless response of unbelief. I doubt, so I give up. I just give up trusting. I give up praying. But today could be a day of repentance. I choose hope. I choose hope in my God. And maybe those three don't resonate. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's worry for you. I want security. I want certainty. I need people to like me. I need a life where I feel safe all the time. Predictable. Because why? Because in my heart of hearts, I'm really saying, God, You're not in control. You're not in control. And my prayerless response is unbelief. Where I say, I just can't. I can't trust. I can't pray. I cannot do it. I can't get myself there. And what if today you would say, I choose to trust. For all of these, for all of these, we may see a little bit of ourselves. But maybe one of them is like bullseye. That's exactly where I'm at. That's how I live. That's how I think. That's my struggle. Today could be the day that you say, I'm getting back. I'm getting back to this place of dependency, desperation. I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to wait on God. Because if we are going to be a church of unceasing prayer, where we believe firmly in the power of prayer, who does it start with? It starts with you. It starts with me. The only way we can be a church of passionate, fervent, urgent prayer is if each one of us individually is living this life in private. We gather together. All the white hot coals all gather together, bursting into flame. We are the church. We are prayerful. We are praying and we are waiting. And we believe. We believe He's going to show up. 